Last week, while the newly elected National Party leader Simon Bridges was dominating political commentary, one of his colleagues also got another Bridges into the news. Uh, Tracy, what's on your what's on your mind? Raising smaller, closer to home questions. Um, I've been thinking a lot about transitions and saying goodbye because uh, I'm leaving this Thursday for a um, for a short road trip, taking my daughter down to Otago, where she's about to start her first year at university. Um. I know. And I've been thinking that around the country right now, there are a lot of parents and grandparents and caregivers who are going through variations of this very transition. PR consultant Tracy Bridges on RNZ National's The Panel back in February, when host Jim Mora introduced her like this. Good afternoon from The Panel, on which Tracy Bridges and Tim Watkin appear today. Tracy is with Senate New Zealand. Good afternoon, Tracy. Good afternoon, Jim. Among your many other, uh, many other strings to your bow. But last week, National MP Melissa Lee pointed out in Parliament that Tracy Bridges had made a transition of a different kind. She was a co-founder and partner at public relations company Senate, but Melissa Lee said Tracy Bridges was at that time a contractor working for the office of the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. In order, I seek leave to table evidence proving that the RNZ panelist introduced as a consultant from Senate PR is in fact a contract staffer at the Right Honourable Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's office. Sorry? Is there, is there, is there uh, and, and, and was at the time in question? Was at the time in question? Wasn't. Just to want to make, want to make clear. She what was, it, I believe. At the, at the, on the 12th of February. And the same day, Melissa Lee quizzed the Broadcasting Minister, Claire Curran, about what she saw as a breach of RNZ's political independence. Would the Minister consider a state-owned broadcaster to be acting independently if a ministerial staff member featured as an independent commentator on a Radio New Zealand programme discussing government policy? Mr Speaker, um, state-owned broadcasters, as do any other broadcasters, make their own decisions about, how, uh, about who they have on their programmes. Tracy Bridges said that RNZ knew that she was an independent contractor who worked in communications, but she said RNZ hadn't asked for any details about her individual clients and she hadn't specified them. RNZ's National Programme Manager David Allen responded to the issue like this. It is a concern that Tracy appeared on the panel without declaring this to us or to our listeners. It is a timely reminder for RNZ that we need to be fully transparent about any potential conflicts of interest. And the panel would, he said, now review its processes so that this didn't happen again. And when one RNZ listener suggested an online register of RNZ's pundits and their various interests, RNZ Chief Executive Paul Thompson responded like this on Twitter. The team are already working on the pundits page concept. We have good policies and processes in place and we also know we should improve them where we can. We're on to it. The incident involving Tracy Bridges was something of an accident waiting to happen. The worlds of politics, PR and the media now intersect more than ever and PR people, lobbyists and communications professionals with a range of clients, including political ones, are among those the media readily call on to fill their programmes, stories and websites these days. Well, one media executive took the bull by the horns on this this past week, Todd Scott, the publisher of the National Business Review. In the weekend, he sent this message out to his own newsroom on Twitter. Our member subscribers trust and respect the integrity of the NBR. It's you they trust to cut through the PR crap, misinformation and out-and-out lies in search of the truth. Let's not afford that responsibility or privilege to lobbyists with paid commercial agendas. 
Now, cutting out lobbyists as commentators would mean losing one of his most read columns in print and online every Friday, one by Matthew Hooten, managing director of the lobbying firm Exceltium, which touts itself as deeply rooted in Wellington's political establishment and Auckland's commercial heart. He's also a columnist in Metro magazine and a familiar voice on RNZ Nationals 9 to noon every Monday. And within days of finding that his words weren't wanted in the NBR every Friday, the New Zealand Herald announced that it will publish a Matthew Hooten column every Friday in its business section starting this week. Now, people pay attention to what Matthew Hooten and other pundits have to say because of their political experience and connections and their willingness to say out loud at times things that other people in politics, business or public service simply can't or won't say. So why then did the NBR's Todd Scott make that call for his publication? Well, look, I just think there needs to be greater transparency when it comes to the motivation behind strongly held opinion. I mean, journalists, um, you know, they're disciplined to set aside their bias. Columnists, not so much. And don't get me started on lobbyists. <laughs> OK, but uh, was there an example? Was there something that you thought, well, no, that, that, that might compromise us and we better stop? Look, we've been moving towards the direction of focusing on timely, relevant, useful and insightful business news and analysis that our member subscribers can use. And I don't think we need people like Mike Hosking and Lizzie Marvley to do all our thinking for us. You know, we've got a really intelligent audience and I believe that if we can just give them the information that they need, we'll, we'll give it with attitude. Um, but we need to just we need to give them that information so that they can make more informed decisions themselves. I think there's just too much of that going on in mainstream media. And I believe that the reason it is happening is because it's so cheap and everybody's got an opinion to offer. Um, media, you know, they're, they're finding it very difficult to uh, generate revenue and so they're looking at that cheap and free content, which is opinion, and they're tipping that around discounted ads. It's it's just not a good situation to be in. Yeah, but those columnists you mentioned there aren't ones of yours. Was was there something that the NBR had published or something uh, that had published something that you, you weren't sure of the motivation of and, and you didn't think was, you know, a fair cop on your readers? Colin, let's cut to the chase. You're talking about Matthew Hooten. Oh, Look, no, his no, column... not, not, not necessarily, not <coughs> yeah. at all. I mean, that's the thing. You have a range of contributors. Yeah, we do. Everyone's got relationships in, in business that maybe were disclosed, maybe weren't, maybe understood. I don't know. Not not specific to anyone in particular. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's, it's a case of just having more transparency. I think that we... The people need to have trust. They need to have understanding. Who's paying for it? Why are they paying for it? What are their objectives? Uh, at MBR, our member subscribers pay us to do a job, and every one of our newsroom, every person in that newsroom understands it's not me that pays them, because if our member subscribers weren't supporting what we're doing, um, we wouldn't have the money to invest in the journalism that we've invested in and the technology that we've invested in. Mm. I mean, you raised, you, you mentioned his name there, Matthew Hooten. Uh, I mean, he's now been picked up by the New Zealand Herald. Uh, was it perhaps the fact that he was a member of a lobbying company where we don't quite know who his clients might be at any given time that gave you pause for thought on this? Look, Matthew never gave me cause uh, for concern. Uh, he's always been uh, completely upfront about his interests. Um, but, you know, I, I, we don't know everything, and our, and our readers and our listeners and our viewers don't know everything. And, and I, I was really just trying to remove any ambiguity and any concern that they might have had about somebody's ulterior motives behind strongly held opinion. So, so who then counts as... You know, the lobbyists with paid commercial agendas that, that you said you, you don't want to be associated with anymore at the NBR. What, 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 what level of involvement in that business uh, is, is something you, you don't want to be associated with anymore? 
Well, I think that was just really more a general term. I mean, um, you know, this uh, RNZ obviously had a situation where we had Tracy Bridges misrepresented. And, you know, I think that um, this needs to be called out. And if we're to do that, then we need to make sure that we're squeaky clean. And that's what I've done. I've tidied up my backyard so that I can move forward and uh, MBR can be trusted for its integrity. So more broadly then, do you think the New Zealand media, would you urge them to have either tighter disclosure rules or to follow your lead. Um, For example, RNZ now looks to be moving towards some sort of page that uh, audience can go to on the website if they're interested um, that would be updated with people's interests on it. Is that a good idea? I can only speak for the job that we've been employed to do by our member subscribers. Um, I'm certainly not um, suggesting that anybody follow our lead, and I'm certainly not suggesting that what other people are doing is, is, is necessarily wrong. I just know that what we're doing is right. That was Todd Scott, publisher of the National Business Review, who this past week decided to drop contributions from commentators who, he says, are funded to sell a point of view. And you can hear more from him about other aspects of transforming the NBR into a digital-first subscriber-funded publication next week here on Media Watch. But should the media then follow the NBR's lead on this? Well, on Morning Report this week, Victoria University of Wellington politics lecturer Bryce Edwards said this. We've got a lot more of lobbyists involved in political commentary. Um, They do have a place, but at the moment, I think the media especially are a bit lax in making sure these declarations are known um, because the audience just needs to judge. But on Morning Report and in recent opinion pieces of his own for the media, Bryce Edwards has said that that's only part of the problem. The bigger issue, he says, is lobbyists moving between and influencing government and politics and how they do it. And he also accused the media of not doing enough to shine a light on that too. So why then is Bryce Edwards worried about that? I think they really do need to be giving the public some sort of idea about um, who has power in this country, how they use it, and that involves lobbyists, that involves the the spin doctors that work for political parties, for government, uh, for business. The chief of staff over four months, um, over summer, was G.J. Thompson. He's an active lobbyist, and he was, yes, the chief of staff, the first advisor to the Prime Minister, a very important uh, person in the way the Beehive works. And the last one, under National was Wayne Eagleson. And uh, John Key uh, at one stage told the public that he was the most powerful unelected official in New Zealand. And I think that's quite um, candid and quite correct. Journalists did know that uh, G.J. Thompson had taken on this position. They knew that he was going back to lobbying after summer, but no one reported on it. You know, it is in the public interest to know these things. Well, why do you think then that, that that didn't happen? Why do you think journalists decided it either wasn't of interest or didn't didn't want to, to uh, report on it? The kindest explanation is that it seems like a beltway issue. It seems like the sort of thing that the public aren't interested in. They don't want to know about officials behind the scenes. Yeah, sometimes these um, lobbyists are their friends. Sometimes they are their sources of information. They don't really want to... Um, cut off their supply of information from business, from government. It's really a symbiotic relationship. There's a real sense of journalists not wanting to bite the hand that feeds. And I think that's what's happened here in this G.J. Thompson story. Well, I mean, in addition to commenting on these issues, um, you were on Morning Report, for example, this week, um, answering questions about it, 
um, in writing your own pieces. I mean, you produce this daily digest of media coverage of politics, you know, dozens and dozens of stories every day uh, that are being produced. Are you seeing stuff as you go through making up these lists that you think over the years you've been doing it, that actually you're seeing now more stuff that you think needs more disclosure because of the influence of lobbyists or PR people or whatever? Yes, I, I closely monitor the media every day, especially in terms of politics. And there's no doubt about it that the media is becoming more reliant on analysis and opinion rather than just reporting. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing, but it certainly means that the media are using a lot more uh, writers that come out of um, positions where they're, they're paid to essentially um, try and get things out to the media. So it's all sorts of political insiders, yes, lobbyists and PR people and politicians, and that has certainly increased over maybe the last five years. You know, and often these writers are providing useful information. Sure, sure. So, well, Todd, on, that, on that point, Todd Scott says, I'm going to cut them all out. We'll have to wait and see exactly how he follows through on that because I don't want them being in the NBR anymore. There's too much ambiguity was, was his word. I'm full of admiration for what Todd Scott's doing with NBR. He has this really strong ethics mission of trying to make his publication ad-free and conflict-free. And I think all media should be trying to do that. But he, isn't he going to lose important yeah. perspectives of people who are inside, do know things, and are prepared to say things? For example, Matthew Hutton on the politics side, uh, who will say things that other people um, involved in those industries or businesses won't be able to say. Yeah, so so that's where it gets complicated. This isn't a black and white issue whereby political insiders are bad and shouldn't have a role in politics and shouldn't have a role in commenting. Obviously, they do have insights, whether it's from the business sector or the political sector, and they do help readers understand how the system works. So I don't think we should be you know, cutting these people out. It does seem to me that Todd Scott is taking a very purist approach, whereby we actually probably need a more nuanced approach. Disclosure is certainly the biggest element here. Well, this is what RNZ is now considering, it seems, uh, in particular, initially for one particular programme, the panel. So do you think that is, in principle, a good idea, if they're going to make a page online on the RNZ site where people can check the background of people they might be hearing from on that particular program? And if so, what actually needs to be on that page to, to really tell listeners what they might need to know? I think that's a fantastic proposal from RNZ, and maybe it should be for RNZ across the board. Certainly it's it's very good penance for the panel, having had that embarrassing episode with Tracy Bridges from the Prime Minister's office. I mean, the onus also lies on you know us commentators and um, people writing in the media to be more transparent. At least having that list would go a long way. What about people that work for public relations and lobbying firms? I mean, yeah. it would almost have to be like some constantly updated spreadsheet that listed all their clients at a given time to be effective, and that's something they'd never want to do because you know they, they want to have confidentiality. It's very hard to insist on that, but it would be good if some of these firms and commentators were taking that extra step and declaring who their clients are. Um, I should say that the panel does actually ask on any given day, uh, they check the issues they're going to discuss with the panellists, and they are obliged to make it known if there is any you know family ties or commercial involvement or corporate interest or whatever that they might have that mean it wouldn't be appropriate to talk about a certain issue. Yeah, that all seems highly appropriate. And for the listeners to know that that's happening with the panel, I think would give a greater sense of confidence uh, 
and it would allow them to realise there are mechanisms in place to ensure that they're not just being fed um, the lines of clients for lobbyists or whatever other political parties, etc. You, you described that Tracy Bridges incident on the panel as a, an embarrassment, but I mean, she'd been on the panel several times working for that PR company called Senate. It was that one appearance at that time where she had a contract with the Prime Minister's office. What actually is the line crossed? Some listeners will be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Certainly when you're working for the government, that is a major line in my view because the government, the state, you know, is a very powerful force in society and um, whenever um, there's any misuse of that power of the state, um, I think we have to come down you know, like a ton of bricks on them. Um, the Prime Minister's office needs a lot more questioning. And I, I still note that no media seems to be openly, at least, asking those questions of Jacinda Ardern and um, her office. Well, then, um, interestingly, that, that instance was actually ended up in the news because an opposition MP, uh, Melissa Lee, wanted to put the heat on the broadcasting minister, Claire Curran. They'll seize on any hint of the government having any influence over the media or particular broadcasters. So there's a political dimension to that, isn't there? And that's the role of the opposition. Um, I don't think anyone would um, judge them early for trying to score political points on that. But when we're talking about people with um, PR companies, lobbyists, I mean, politics is one thing everybody knows. Uh, these things are contested. But when it's commercial interests in the background, we simply have no idea. Isn't that the bigger worry? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, we've seen the power of business, particularly in New Zealand over the last couple of decades. We're seeing that voters are suspicious of the power of business and they want to know how business is leveraging its power, um, what its relationship is with different politicians. And finally, Bryce, I mean, I guess if you've identified, and Todd Scott said it too, you know, he believes just, just too much opinion out there in the media. The media seems to rely on it to fill um, their airtime, their demand for content. I mean, you're part of that, aren't you? Because yeah. you are one of the most prominent political commentators because of your willingness to, to get out and appear on programmes and, and so on. So, I mean, you know, it's not as if you're not, yeah. not a part of the so same yes, issue, right? I, I guess I need to declare my conflict of interest that, yes, I benefit from the media using commentators more, going for more opinion, and um, I, I need to welcome any scrutiny of my, my work and maybe any background I have. I yeah, I mean, it got a bit funny, didn't it, when Susie Ferguson this week <laughs> on Morning Report asked you, OK, what about your political issues? And you had to declare what working for Jim Anderton and what, 15 years ago or something, for a short time. I mean, he was a politician yeah. no longer even alive and his party doesn't exist anymore. But nonetheless, yeah, I think it is useful to know from political commentators, writers, uh, whether they have had employment with politicians or anyone else in the, in the past. And yes, I worked for the Alliance part-time for six months in an admin job back in 2001. But I mean, the point of bringing uh, that up is yeah. it seemed kind of slightly absurd that it took up airtime in a short news interview that you were saying this stuff. But, I mean, no, I think is it's that worthwhile. in the end what kind of needs to happen routinely, even though your listeners, yeah. readers might get fed up with long printed disclosures at the end of articles or, you know, verbalised um, confirmations of um, ties or denials of ties or whatever, if that's what it takes to um, convince people that there aren't uh, things compromising the opinions that they're hearing? I think so, absolutely. Um, it's it's worth that extra time. It's We shouldn't really clamp down on having any of that news and analysis, you know. Um, people just want to know um, the, the backgrounds of the people that are giving us the news and analysis, you know, um, but we know where they're coming from, and that's the main issue here. And so often in the media, we don't know. 
That was Dr Bryce Edwards, lecturer in politics at Victoria University in Wellington and author of comment pieces this past week urging the media to do more to shine a light on lobbyists' influence on politics and the disclosure of interests of those lobbyists in their media appearances. You can find links to those and hear more of what he had to say in the online version of the story. It's on the RNZ website. Just look for the title, The Media's Political PR Problem.